Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple Jump podcast. It's a video game podcast. My name is Ben. And my name is Peter. And that's it. That's it. Where is she this bloody time? Where is she? She's on actual holiday this time. It's oh, not even plops. She's or, got European say, plops, isn't yeah, she? Yeah, do we say plops? I think we say plops anyway for holidays. Euro plops. Yeah. Um, no, Ashton is on a holly plops this week. Hopefully, mm-hmm. she has a lovely time. She'll be back in time for next week's stream. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the two of us. It's us, the white boys. Here we are. And Dead Island 2, the spider. Maybe. No. I actually, because uh, we'll talk about this in more detail in just a second. I'm still looking around for him currently. Uh, did actually see Dead Island 2, the spider at Ashton's house last week. Confirmed. Dead I Island saw to Dead the spider Island 2, the spider. Is at Ashton's house. She's not full, even though she's full of plops. She's not full of plops. Not in that way. You mm. know what I'm saying? I didn't say anything because I wasn't sure if she knew there was a spider. Oh, I pointed out immediately. Oh, right, I was okay. like, there's a spider up there. Mm. And uh, she was pretty brave, good. probably because it's our good friend, friend. <laughs> Dead Island to the Spider. Uh, each and every week on this podcast, we're sponsored by a very real video game adjacent sponsor. Peter, you have the ad read in front of you. Well, there. talking of Dead Island to the Spider, we've actually got a party political message that has been oh. um, sent. Is yeah. that allowed? Uh, yes, it is. Okay, uh, and it is for the. It's from the current ad- political administration in charge of the um, creepy crawly infested <laughs> nation of Bulgaria. Bulgaria, right? full of spiders and insects. Which spiders aren't insects, but they're all they all hang out together. They are. They're best mates. Loads of loads of insects in Bulgaria, and the the current administration is hoping to get onto, and the current the yeah. record in uh-huh. that nation uh-huh. is that. Uh, any one leader has only ever been on for three terms. Okay. But the current leader is hoping to get onto that next term yes. in the next election. So we are here, sponsored by that political party, to encourage you to vote yes. for um, President Weevil 4 <laughs> remake. Okay. <laughs> President Weevil, he's been there for three years. Yeah. Three, no, three times for whatever a term is. Uh-huh. Four. 12 years. That's a lot of years. Or she, and she's hoping to get there for 16. Um, so please, everyone vote President Weevil 4. It could happen. It could happen. Break all the records in Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yes, we... There's got to be a pun. Yeah. Yes, uh, we... Can't. Yes. Yeah. No, we can't. No, we can't. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, it's not real. Oh, what? The nation of Bulgaria. That's really sad. With a um, President Weevil who's been there for three terms. I, I really wanted to. I really wanted to learn more about that phenomenal nation mm. and everything is contributed uh, no of course we're sponsored by our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com forward slash team triple jump where for as little as one dollar per month you can submit questions to this podcast uh, loads of other tiers available as well and the money really helps us out keeps the lights on helps us look after uh, Dead Island to the Spider. Mm. Uh, before we talk a bit more about Dead Island to the Spider and why we saw Dead Island to the Spider at Ashton's house we have a request a big video game dropped recently, yeah. Peter. Mm. That being WWE 2K23. I talked about it in Review Corner last week. Uh, I believe it is at the top of the UK sales charts currently at the time of recording. Nice. So there's a good chance with that Venn diagram of wrestling and video games that there's a few of you who are probably playing it and quite enjoying it. And in the past... Some of you have made some fantastic creator wrestlers featuring ourselves and our, our wider circle of uh, furry friends like Billy Ray Walrus, etc. Rules boss, he's not a furry friend. Furry. He is a friend, uh, sort of. And we need your help again, specifically this year, because we've got something a bit special coming up that I don't know if we can necessarily announce. No, but we, we're doing... We'll be doing some sort of content in yes. the game featuring all manner of furry and non-furry friends, I think we can say. Precisely. And so we we have a request that those of you with 2K23, regardless of your skill level, we want you to create versions of the following people we're about to mention, uh, any, any of them or mm -hmm. all of them, yeah. and upload them to, to the community creations. Make sure they are editable mm. so we can make any changes if need be. You will be credited in the video that results... That, that it results in, yeah. their usage results in. But we need Ben, Peter, Ashton, uh, preferably a male version of Ashton because uh, a female version of Ashton, unfortunately, would not be able to compete in the same Against matches as else. us, yeah. which would be really annoying. Billy Ray Walrus, Rules Boss, Legs, as in, is this Legs? Yeah. Uh, Fraser, our community manager, mm -hmm. uh, Dick Majinko, and Brian Bumpus. That's a lot. We understand that. Yeah. But some of you, based on your past actions, do it for fun anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you maybe want a little bit of encouragement, it could feature in an upcoming video. So once again, 2K23, make sure it's editable. Tag it Tag with something that we can find it. TJ, Triple Jump, Cultaholic, any of that, so we can find it nice and easily. Uh, and we need it in the next couple of weeks, mm. ideally. So if you're interested, get stuck in. Yeah. We love you. We Thank reserve you the right much. to... You know, if, if we might end up with more than one submission for, say, Rules yeah. Boss, so we can't promise that yours will be used. Mm. But if you want to just be in with the chance, then have a go. Yeah, have a go. Yeah. We'd really appreciate it. We'll, we'll talk about it again uh, next week, probably, if we remember. Mm. Uh, why were we at Ashton's house? We were at Ashton's house because we were doing a little, a little, I say a little, it was very good. It was high, high production value session mm. of D&D. Um, Dick it, and Dom. Dick and Dom, yeah. It was um, DM'd by Kat, our writer, who is excellent mm. um, as a writer and also as a D&D &D DM, as it turns out. Yes. Or GM. I don't know what it is. Um, <laughs> General manager. Yeah. And how, how much do you want to say about how and why we were doing that? 
Well, we've got, we're always, you know, smashing milestones and breaking boundaries. And quicker these days, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I love it. And Mm. that's all because of you and your amazing support. Uh, But we're, you know, we're approaching another fairly big milestone soon. You know, that that big three three hundo on Mm. YouTube. And we, you know, we we got to thinking about what kind of thing we'd like to do to celebrate and commemorate that situation. Normally, we'd do a worst games ever live stream, but this time, what if we made it a little bit special? Yeah. So, Cat uh, came up to visit, and us and the rest of the team went to Ashton's house, and we played a custom. Uh, I mean, it's all custom, really, but mm. a custom Dungeons and Dragons session, uh, themed around. Triple Jump and the sort of... The universe. The universe of Triple Jump and the various characters and weird things that pop up along the way. And we just got a little practice session in for maybe something that we mm. are considering doing properly on a stream. So... If you yeah. want to see us playing D&D on a stream or on a VOD, then help us get to that 300k and maybe you'll see it. Yeah, maybe you will. Mm. Lots of exciting news yeah. today. Mm. Uh, but it was super fun and thank you to Kat for organising and uh, Ashton for having us. Yes. And it was a pleasure to see Dead Island to the Spider as well mm. after, such was, a long, yeah. after such a long break. You could submit questions to this podcast such as Callum Story um, who has said, Hey Bap, I'm currently playing through Cyberpunk 2077 and can't help comparing it unfavourably to The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. Whilst I think there are many reasons Cyberpunk isn't on the same level, it did get me wondering, is it easier to tell a good story when using a specific predetermined character like Geralt rather than allowing players to create their own protagonist? Mm. Thank you, Callum. Thank you. I think there's a couple of things that factor into this. I think primarily the 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 major thing that can be a drawback in terms of telling a good story and not always but it can be cleverly done is if the protagonist is not voiced mm. so sometimes custom characters the developers don't even want to like commit to like oh well will will these players be happy with their how their special darling character sounds i know what we're going to do make them mute um and then that makes it very difficult to tell a good story with dialogue and emotion and so on it's been done before with plenty of interesting silent characters, silent protagonists, but uh, largely, I'm mostly thinking here about um, Dragon's Dogma, which is a game that I enjoyed at the time for gameplay and sort of larger world building reasons. But the main story and the character I was playing as, I had less than zero connection to because they were silent and I don't know why. Well, I think there was an, uh, there was a kind of story reason why they were silent. They had their like heart taken away by a the dragon. Dra- the dragon heart and something. I think maybe that is why they couldn't speak or they just couldn't speak because they didn't want to add voice acting to it. But um, that definitely like retracted from that. So it wasn't so much that I had a custom character. It was that they didn't speak. Um, but also... The the problem is if if you're dealing with an RPG specifically in terms of character creation, that allows you to not only create how you look, but of course be who you want to be and make good or evil decisions or all sorts of things like that. And therefore, it's difficult for a writing team to come up with a story that is going to work for every possible character that you're playing as. They don't want to like necessarily write a really heartfelt, oh, here's um, you know a dad who lost his daughter who's helping a surrogate daughter through a post-apocalyptic world that you have created if you've actually if you're playing the game like an asshole so Mm. that's not going to work necessarily and uh it it can therefore be difficult to create a compelling story when it's so open as to how your custom character is going to be making decisions and behaving it might not marry up to a story that has been written so 
I mean, my answer, I suppose, is yes, really. I think it's it's much easier for writers to come up with a, a, a kind of a more interesting and emotive narrative when they have full control over the sort of motivations and behaviors of that character in cutscenes. Yeah, I completely agree. I think when it's, yeah, if, if it's just a character that everybody plays as, you can still have choices along the way and, you know, influence the direction of the story potentially. But ha having, <clears throat> excuse me, one voice and one character, especially one who comes from previous games, as in The Witcher 3, mm. and also from other works of fiction, as with The Witcher 3, yeah. uh, that this character is already quite well defined. And if the, as long as the game is competently written and is suitably engaging and engrossing, then there's really not much they can do to go wrong. It's, it's just... I would imagine a far easier time to write for a character that's already established and already exists and that you already have a fairly good idea about their motivations. When it comes to custom characters, I still think it's possible hmm. to to get as engrossed, but I think then the development side of things really have to kick in uh, in terms of giving you way more choice about what you do in the world. So Fallout New Vegas, for example, is an incredibly compelling RPG, but I think most of that comes from the fact that you can be a real dick mm. if you want or be a really lovely person. And there's lots of ways to work through the quests that you encounter and they have all sorts of outcomes. And that is a level of immersion that perhaps wouldn't be offered in a game where you have a predetermined character who does sort of need to follow a set path, which yeah. is sell it, which is telling a set story, which will only be as good as that set story, you have less freedom to 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 tell your own stories in those worlds. So they're, mm. di they're different types of in engaging. When it comes to cyberpunk itself, I feel like, unfortunately, that game was hamstrung by a lot more things than just the fact that you had a custom protagonist because there were some really compelling stories told in Cyberpunk 2077 and some really engrossing stuff. Uh, very difficult choices, very dark uh, themes, of course. But when your car is like falling through the map, yeah. when you go around a corner too fast, it doesn't matter how good that writing is because you're immediately just yanked out of that experience. Mm. And you are right. Of course, when you make your custom characters, you can make them look however you want. Yeah. And you're going to have heartfelt cutscenes where your, eyes are above where your custom character is pictured and you've set all the sliders to max and you've yeah. somehow broken the geometry of the character creation. So your chin is like really like a sharp point mm. and it's all broken and ruined. And that's how some people want to play games. I have a friend who does that every single time without fail, just right. makes a completely disturbing unhinged monster and then calls them something like, Grongelspiel yeah. or something and then it's like here's Grongus it's like brilliant savior of the world it's Grongus everyone here mm. to save the world so there's only so much devs can do when it comes to giving players agency to do whatever they want but I think on the whole yes if it's a predetermined character writers have a have a lot more power over what the player is going to experience yeah. and that's only going to lend itself to a to a more compelling narrative, I think. Personally, there is a good middle ground, though. You look at something like Mass Effect, which you know yep. you would consider to be an RPG in the sense that you can sort of do you you, you make decisions certainly mm -hmm. that affect the outcome of the game, and they have compelling stories. And also, um, it's not always down to dialogue. So you might say, well, if you have too much control, then it's difficult to write dialogue for someone who could be a good or evil character. So they sort of step away from that. But something like um, the Fable series, I think, has had some pretty 
compelling narrative moments in the past or some twists and things um fable like three or something has like a, an evil a seemingly like really evil dictator in it and then i think you end up becoming that that king like overthrowing him and realizing oh my god there was a reason why he was like making these really tough decisions because like the world is going to end mm. and so that's an interesting story i suppose with a character that is almost you know, with a game series, it's almost built around customizable characters. So yeah. it can be done. It absolutely can. It's not as easy, I think. It's not as straightforward. And in The Witcher, you can change Geralt's like hairstyle and beard. So True. I think you'll find he is custom customizable. Yeah. So suck it, Callum. Mm. Let's move on to a section that Ashton's going to be gutted that she missed yeah. uh, because we've never done it before. Yeah. Uh, it's called... Can you help me pronounce this? Uh, what? what? Where? We? We? we. In apostrophe. It's what we play in time. Time to talk about the video games, what we have been playing this past week. Peter, what have you been playing? I've been playing pretty much the same thing I've been playing uh, recently for a while, which mm. is I've I've played more the movies. Oh, yes. Um, just for fun. I don't know why I can't really stop, but, um, you know, just... It's it's uh, it's it's so underpinned by nostalgia and like not actually the the content of the game. I suppose right, it's not right. the gameplay. It's really not that good. And I think I have now kind of reached the point where I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm sort of done. Hmm. But I so I started playing it um, as a with a view to just like make silly animations and stuff. And hmm. I was doing a bit of that. But as you may or may not know, the game is also a sim game. In the sense that you you have to build like a studio lot and right. manage your finances and do all that kind of stuff, and then I kind of I've I've just sort of stepped into that. So I could just as easily be playing, you know, Two Point Hospital or or that kind of thing. So I've I've not been doing any animation anymore. I've just been sort of quite enjoying building a a movie lot, and uh, I think it does have a kind of mid noughties PC game vibe that has just taken me back to a a place where I'm like, oh yeah. Windows XP startup noises. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that kind of feeling, just like graphically as much as anything else. So surprisingly, I've uh, been been playing a fair amount of that and mm. really having a good time with it. Um, other than that, I have, I started um, Jedi Fallen Order again, which I did actually play not so long ago, a few months back, um, because I kind of wanted to refresh my memory. And I've seen a few, I've seen a lot of promotional material for that this week. And I've thought, do you know what? That looks like it might actually be an improvement on the first game. So I sat down and I was like, I'm going to play it again one more time. So that I'll be done just in time for the new one to come out. Uh, and I'm I'm already sort of like, I've kind of given up on that. Oh no. It's just, I don't really like the, the Metroidvania, almost Soulsborne kind of world design and... Um, I mean, it's maybe a disservice to Soulsborne, but, you know, just the kind of the branching paths that like... Yeah, the Metroidvania-y. It is metroidvania yeah. really, yeah. Um, so whether they've, you know, just doubled down on that in this new game... Fast travel, I think, is we'll is, gonna, is happening, right. which, is, which okay. is a huge one. Yeah, that will be so a very important. useful thing. <laughs> Hopefully the map will be just even just slightly readable. That would be useful oh, God. as well. Yeah, that was hard. Um, 
so yeah, I kind of sat down, gave that a go, and then stopped. Um, and uh, but I am still looking forward to the the new one. So uh, mm. it looks interesting. Um, other than that, I think that's all I've been playing. Nice. Week. I've got uh, Jedi Fallen Order. That's mm. the new one, isn't it? I've got it. No, pre- the new one's uh, Survivor. Survivor. Yes, mm. I've got it pre-ordered. So I am gonna. Have you? I am gonna play it. I had a a ten percent off code for the PlayStation yes. Store, and I thought I'll use that. And I share and I, I share my account with my friend and vice versa. So sometimes we just pre-order things and then split the cost. So mm-hmm. it was it was a pretty reasonable cost in the end. Yeah. Um, so I am looking forward to giving that a go because as thoroughly documented on this podcast, I did enjoy fallen order mm. i just didn't think it was as good as everybody else said it did because i was i got frustrated by a lot of stuff yeah in there that what that i found quite unwieldy and the power of star wars didn't quite carry it enough for me to ignore those issues mm. so i'm hoping with some quality of life stuff i'm going to be well into it however i'm not going to replay the whole thing i will watch youtube video mm. and then i will sort of know what's going on i should say i don't think it's i don't dislike it either like no, no. the fact that i've gone oh no i can't be bothered with this is just because it, it's a commitment to like sit down and play that game all the way through and that is what i can't be bothered with it's not that i'm thinking like oh wait yeah this game's rubbish because it's not but <laughs> You've got a movie studio to run yeah exactly who else yeah. is gonna do that uh i have started playing mafia definitive edition mm. uh, which ashton's talked about on this podcast uh it was on plus a couple of months ago i think and I am, on the whole, enjoying it. It's definitely a remake of a PS2 game, I'll say that much. Mm. It looks really good, and then sometimes it doesn't look really good. Right. So it does that classic 2000s sandbox uh, crime thing uh, where you are waiting in a car for someone to get in, and they walk up to the driver's side, turn 90 degrees, walk to the back of the car, turn 90 degrees, walk across the back of the car, right. turn 90 degrees, walk up a bit, and then get into the car. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of animation stuff. Some of the faces look like... Some of the faces look great, but sometimes they look a bit like painted miniatures. Like, the eyes are sort of wrong. Right. They're, they're kind of... There's there's no soul in that body. Mm-hmm. Like, it's uh, a bit weird. Uh, Gunplay's also a bit naff, and the driving does my head in because everything just slides all over the place. It's probably realistic to cars from the 1930s, but at the same time, it's not very fun. Uh, But all the rest of the stuff that I really like about Mafia 2 in particular is there. So you can turn on sort of simulation mode for the police. So if you run red lights, they'll come after you. Uh, You have to obey the speed limit and you can press the touchpad to like limit your car so it'll only go the speed limit and Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, And I just like... I really like that setting for games. I know it was a highly problematic time in hindsight. I mean, if you look at any time period under under a, a magnifying glass, you'll find yeah. exactly the same issues. But there, I find there's something inherently charming about that sort of 20s, 30s, 40s bootlegger, yeah. m- mafioso crime family kind of setting in American cities. This mm. one is sort of like a Chicago kind of ripoff. Um, but the, yeah, I, I like it. And I also like the fact that Unlike Mafia 2, where you do actually go, you have to drive from mission to mission and, you know, take them on like GTA. I think, anyway. This one is just chapter to chapter. It's set in this right, big city, yeah. but you you just go from one story to the next story to the next story. And uh, I am enjoying it. There's some crappy checkpoints in it. Oh, all, boy. And a lot of 
hey, follow this car from a distance all the way across town. If you die, you've got to do it again. Or mm -hmm. if you get spotted, you've got to do it if again. It's, if you get, yeah. Yeah, the, which isn't very fun. Uh, but I, I like the setting and um, I hope we get some more crim crim games set, mm. set in that. Um, the problem is games are so expensive to make now that these sort of, if you're looking for a game like this to come out side of your EAs, your rock stars, you're probably not going to get it. Or if you are, it's not going to be very good, almost mm. guaranteed because just the budget, it doesn't exist. Imagine if Rockstar came out of nowhere and said, actually, the next GTA game is not a modern one. It's not even a 1980s one. It's set in like yeah. 1930s Chicago. I loved L.A. Noire. That'd be wild. I did love the setting of L.A. Noire. So yeah. I'd be, yeah, I'd be up for more of that. Uh, outside of that, I uh, have done some highly legal things to my uh, PlayStation Vita TV, which does finally allow me to fulfill my childhood dream of playing Pokemon Blue on a TV. Whoa. And I've got it all set up and I've got it linked in with a with the retro achievements website. So I'm getting achievements for playing Pokemon Blue, which is hugely exciting for nice. me. It, it's added so much more to the experience. Like defeated gym leader, you get a little achievement that pops oh. up and stuff. You do flip in what was it? You defeat you finish Nugget Bridge, you get an achievement that pops up. Uh I have been playing the whole thing so far. I got into bed at like 10. Mm. I played it until about midnight in bed and I, I I enabled a toggle for fast forward so the game would run a lot faster All right. because I've played this game a lot and also you walk really slow and mm -hmm. the battles are really slow sometimes and uh, so I've just been playing the whole thing in fast forward and right. it's great like i'm i'm in i'm having a great time you know yeah. not having to walk around Sprinting really slowly all over the city yeah it's brilliant uh so i've been playing a bit of that played a tiny bit of teenage mutant ninja turtles shredder's revenge mm -hmm. at editor kieran's house because he had a saint patrick's day thing he did uh and a few of us went over for that and, and they're was... green so and they are green mm. yes they are and that was lovely what else we got in here i have played gears 5 i started playing gears 5. oh yeah I'm liking it so far. There's definitely some quality of life stuff in there. There's, I am so over the moon that I can now hold the sprint button and turn with just a little bit more freedom than before. Because up until now, you hold the sprint button, you may as well just be running in a straight line. You know, yeah. you can't turn corners while sprinting. No, it's, it no. doesn't work. You still struggle in Gears 5, but it, it feels a lot more fluid. And uh, I tried to apply the the sort of mod thing that you can do to make Marcus Phoenix Dave Batista. Okay. Uh, but it weirdly glitched out for me. So it still looked like Marcus, but it just had Dave Batista's voice and it didn't work. I didn't like that. Right. I felt I had to go full Batista or no Batista. Mm -hmm. So I've now got Marcus's voice. I've got Bender's voice again right. in there. Uh, but that's what I've been playing. It's got open. a question from Steven Skodes. Yes. Uh, who says, greetings, boop or poob. I was watching last week's podcast and I was very intrigued on your big discussion. Rip it, my dude. Hell yeah. Uh, on Is that a beer? He's drinking oh, a beer, audio listeners. Delicious. A delicious Stella Artois. Mm. Uh, on, just hang on. I was very intrigued on your dis big discussion on game preservation. Now, sadly, I had parted ways with classic games that I adored as a kid, but I do enjoy seeing either full remakes or remasters of classic games. Through PlayStation Plus Premium, I have been able to replay a few classic titles that I loved when I was a kid. My question is regarding re-releases, either remakes or remasters. Are these re-releases a good way to experience classic games, or should people seek out these games on their original hardware? Resident Evil 4 Remake is out by the time this podcast releases, mm -hmm. so do you think people should go for the remake or play the original? Have a magnificent day. Thank, Thank you, Stephen. Steven. 
Um, I think partly you could answer the question uh, on the basis of remaster versus remake. Mm. I mean, a remaster, there's probably very little argument to say, oh, no, you should really go back and play the old one. If it's essentially a a like-for-like copy of an old game, just on modern hardware, looks a bit sharper, you know. It'll run better. It'll run better. I wouldn't play The Last of Us on PS3 if I could play The Last of Us remastered on yeah. PS4 when it's yeah. functionally an identical game. Um, there might be some purists who say, well, the best way to play anything is in the original form. But generally, a remaster, you should probably just play the remaster. Um, with a remake, there's maybe a bit more argument to say, you know, you look at something like Resident Evil 2 remake or Resident Evil 3 remake, in fact, um, and you've not got your fixed camera angles and uh, just in general, there are all sorts of changes to the gameplay and to the story. Um, some are some like nice surprises and they've been done intentionally to subvert your expectations. Others have just been done for quality of life. Um, so there'd be more of an argument either way there to say, well, in most cases, a remake is probably going to be an easier, more fun, certainly more modern experience for you. Um, and appeal more to kind of modern gamer sensibilities. Um, but perhaps you want to go back and particularly if you're if you're looking at a game such as Resident Evil or a, a series such as Resident, Resident Evil and thinking about its impact on the industry and thinking mm-hmm. I should play those games because they're important, then maybe you would want to go back and play the older ones to see the games themselves that had that impact on the industry rather than the remakes that came out in the 2010s uh, or 2020s, in fact. Um, but as we quite often say with questions like this, it's kind of a case-by-case thing. Uh, some remakes are only changed slightly. Some are changed a huge amount. So uh, it's difficult to say uh, overall. And Stephen specifically mentions Resident Evil 4 remake. I mean, I've not played it yet, so I can't comment on which is best to play. Um, but... There's also just generally an argument for availability. You know, if the alternative is, as Stephen says, going back and playing on the original hardware, sometimes that's just not possible or it's very expensive to do so. So uh, even if you would rather play a game in its original form uh, over its remake, it might just be way easier and way cheaper for you to play, for example, Resident Evil 3 on your PS4 or PS5, whichever one it came out on, um, than to try and source a PS1 and an original copy. Mm. So uh, it's it's case by case in terms of games and also in terms of people and what they're able to afford and what they want to do with their time. Yeah. Uh, beyond actually getting hold of original hardware and original copies of the game, uh, a lot of these older games are just harder to play now because they've aged. You know, there's the, without the modern conveniences, you're looking at weird control schemes yeah. It doesn't look very pretty. Well, Resi 4 is a good example, actually, of weird mm. control schemes. The tank controls aren't maybe something that people are so used to nowadays. I I I tried to play Resident Evil 4's remaster on on PS4, and and I decided against it. And this Mm. was before the remake even came out, because I knew probably there's going to be a remake coming out, and I'm going to enjoy that way more if if I just wait for that so I can experience the story and, and the world that way. Uh, rather than muddle through with a control scheme that uh, that doesn't feel natural to me or doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, however, a lot of the games that are getting remakes have already got remasters, which are more cases than, well, in, in most cases, I should say, uh, sort of glorified 
ports. Mm. Uh, so, you know, you've got the, the Resi 1 remake, which was a remake on GameCube that's been ported to PS4. So that's technically a remaster of a remake. But by all accounts, given the time period, it's just a remaster of, of Resi 1 at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Final Fantasy 7 as well, obviously, has a, has a big production remake going on at the moment. But you can still play the original uh, in remastered form, which is just a port on PS4 and most modern platforms at this point. So I think in most cases, people would probably be more comfortable going for the remake, and I would recommend that because they're more likely to get something out of the experience. And then the remaster is always there for people to go back to and play if they want, or the original version that's just been ported over. I think it's unlikely that there will be many cases of games that are getting remakes where people will be saying, you should play the original, and the original is not available in Mm. some form either through backwards compatibility or a port on the previous platform that happens to run through back compat, you know? Yeah. Uh, So I don't know. Again, as you say, it's a case-by-case basis, but I I can understand that remakes are probably the most alluring thing because they're the shiniest Mm. and they're probably going to play the best as long as, you know, they haven't absolutely flipped the bed as yeah. was the case with the 13 remake and you've got bug fixes as well um which sometimes aren't always fixed in remasters mm. um remakes you know when they rebuild something from the ground up they hopefully get around those those bad things that they did whereas a remaster sometimes it's just here's the source code we've changed the textures yep. or whatever play whichever one you want mm. uh the original will always be there it's a similar uh discussion to should these games be remade at all, you know? And if the, mm-hmm. if they are remade, should they, you know, diverge from the from the path at all? Should they should they stray? Should they change things, or should it be a, a shot for shot identical mm-hmm. remake? And I think remakes have the you know the capability to do whatever they want, just because the original will always be there in yeah. some form, and people yeah. can play that. So it's time to do something a little strange, mm-hmm. a little bizarre. It's called Weird Weird News. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. 
It's weird news time, time for some weird video game news. If you want to submit weird game news to us, I'm getting really tongue-tied today. I keep, my, my brain's moving faster than my mouth. Well, I've not noticed. Okay, thank you. I have now. Well, yeah, now everyone's going to be paying close attention. I've been saying weird words in place of ones I would actually, I would actually want to say. Mm. I'm just trying to fit in anything that works. Uh, you can send us weird news on social media, that being Twitter and Facebook, by responding to the appropriate post earlier in the week. If we chick, if we <laughs> if we chicken, if we chicken, you get a shout out. If you want to guarantee a shout out, you need to go to patreon.com forward slash team triple jump, support us at a certain tier, and become a podcast producer just like Nathan, GY Goliath, Nexus Polaris, Duncan Wilson, Blake Thomas, Ellie Nicholas, Nicole Hansen, Melody Elbonette, Katie Jared or Garrett, and Gabrielle Philippi. Thank you, podcast Thank you, producers. podcast producers, so very, very much. We mm, love you. We really do. Have you got some weird news? I've got some weird news that was submitted to uh, the Twitter post, and I feel like I, well, I know I all. <laughs> I'm at it now as well. Oh, I also saw it earlier in the week, and I can't remember if it just came up on my feed or if someone directly sent it to me, okay. not in relation to the Weird News Post. So if you did send this directly to me, and I've not got your name here, then I'm sorry. But thank you to Luna Moonstone at Luna Demigoddess for submitting this one to the uh, the Twitter post. Um, this is according to Eurogamer. Resident Evil 4 gets Studio Ghibli-style anime short ahead of remake release. Oh. Um, and it's kind of adorable. It's very pretty. Hang on, let me... Look How at, delightful. Look at that. I want to be all their oh, friends. That looks so lovely. It does. How, how completely tonally yeah, inappropriate. inappropriate. <laughs> so this is written by Victoria Kennedy on, as I say, on Eurogamer. The Resident Evil 4 remake is releasing later this week. I think at the time of release of this podcast, it's already out. Mm. And in anticipation, Capcom has upped its marketing efforts with a short anime based on the game. While I'm no anime critic, I have to say it is glorious. Titled Leon and the Mysterious Village. Oh. The first episode was released earlier today, and this was written on the 20th of March. Uh, it begins with a certain Mr. Leon S. Kennedy... There's ads popping up wearing everyone's favourite jacket and searching for Ashley. I wonder where Ashley went, Leon asks himself in a rather casual manner, although with his gun still aloft. Ah, a nice villager. Perhaps they will be able to help. Uh, if you've played the original Resident Evil 4 or even just its chainsaw demo, you will be aware these villagers are not here to help. Oh no, sir. They're here to slice and dice until that bell tolls. And slice they do. This anime short ends with a swift blow to Leon's head and an amusing you are dead screen. I'm not going to tell you why it's amusing. I want you to see it for yourselves with no spoilers because, well, it is quite something. Have a watch above. And uh, here it is in motion embedded in the article. Oh. Looks great. <laughs> wow. Super charming. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Um, so you can head to YouTube, just search for Capcom Resi 4 anime or something, and you'll be able to watch it yourself. It's only short. I've not actually watched it yet, but I've seen little bit, little, you know, images from it on Twitter. So, uh, that's kind of weird. That is, that is super weird. And while you're at it, you should probably go and watch the, uh, I'm sure you've seen it, the sort of Lego recreation of the opening of Resident Evil 4. I've not seen it. Oh, it's brilliant. Someone's animated it within like Lego software, oh, but it wow. looked, they've, they've even managed to capture the over-the-shoulder slight zoom mm -hmm. when you're aiming and it's sort of focusing on the trees and everything else is blurred. It's incredible. Like it's oh, really wow. impressive. It's like oh. a recent thing they've done. Uh, it's not them. It's just a fan. 
Well, I mean the fan. Oh like, yes, yeah. Sorry, like, yeah. No, that was in like in, the past week or in so. In anticipation for um, the new game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's. Uh, it, it, I only say that because that seems like something a fan would make. Yeah, and, uh, it does actually. That's yeah. official. Mm. Go check it out. You got some weird news, Ben. I certainly do. This weird news comes courtesy of Evan at Mister Underscore Harder on Twitter, and the news comes from Yahoo. Yeah. In fact, it says Yahoo at the top, and then it says Games Radar. Underneath oh. it. Does Yahoo own Games Radar? Are they all owned by the same company? I don't know. It says Games Radar at the top underneath Yahoo. Uh, this is written by Ali Jones. After a Starfield rating confirms no sex, fans are already turning to modders to change that. It's not even out yet. Nope. Starfield fans are already, well, it'll be running on the same engine. So, yeah, so should, they can make a start. They just import. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Starfield fans are already turning to the games modding communities to address the lack of romantic content in the upcoming RPG. Last week, the Australian Rating Board revealed its restricted rating for Starfield, basing its judgment on the game's interactive drug use. Oh. That rating also revealed a none listing under the sex category, suggesting that Starfield is an entirely chaste experience. Chaste? Yeah. Good. Just like every other um, Bethesda RPG, why are people surprised by this? That's not a huge surprise, the article continues. Right. Skyrim is a pretty sexless game, and when you do bump uglies in Fallout, it tends to be more of a fade-to-black experience. Well, yeah, true. Bethesda certainly isn't following the likes of BioWare or CD Projekt Red into their cinematic adult scenes, but that doesn't seem to have halted expectations around the game's inevitable modding community. The top comment on a Reddit post bemoaning the lack of sex... <laughs> In Starfield reads, well, I'm sure that one particular website will fix that issue, likely referring to a website called Lover's Lab or Lover Slab oh. that features minimal content, sorry, features minimal content moderation around its mods. Others point to Nexus Mod, which offers Nexus Mods, sorry, which offers its own wealth of content with a significant portion of it leaning towards the more adult end of the modding spectrum. Hmm. The main debate right now seems to be around how long it will take for those more adult mods to arrive. One comment suggests players should give it a week or two, uh, was countered with the idea that one seriously caffeinated modder would knock the changes out on day one. <laughs> Others are already creating their modding checklists with nude mods right up there with the Shrek and Thomas the Tank Engine add-ons that one might find uh, to blah, blah, blah on the way to launch such and such. And there we go. So there's no sex in Starfield. Um, I'm cancelling my pre-order. Yeah. Um, by which I mean I was going to just get Game Pass. Right. I get a trial for Game Pass and play it for free for a month and then probably never play it again. But we'll still be talking about it in 2045 because yeah. it'll be released as many times as Skyrim has been. Todd, why is there no sex in the game? Todd, please add sex it to just, you. They just flip. <laughs> they just twerk. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> That's not necessarily a sexual thing. Not sexualizing twerking. It's a dance. Yeah. And anyone can do it if they want. Mm. Uh, let's move on to another question. By Callum Anderson. It's a Big one, but don't worry. I've skimmed over a slight section of it. Mm. Um, but thank you, Callum. Thank you. Hello, Bap. Hope you're all having a splendid day. Mm. Recently, I've been playing through The Last of Us, and I've thoroughly enjoyed the experience. About two weeks ago, I reached the point in game where Joel and Ellie are standing on the roof of a building watching the giraffes graze in front of them. Mm. This part of the game was so peaceful to me, and having already been on quite a bonding journey with the two characters, I stayed there for a while. As many people will know, you can stand and watch the giraffes for as long as you like until you decide to move along with the story. Uh, he continues with his magical experience, but then eventually says, my question for you three lovely people is, have you ever gotten to a point in the game where you just sat back and enjoyed the environment that the game is in? 
perhaps sat for a moment in the story and absorbed everything that's happened to your character, or not even completed a game because you know something is coming up and you want to just leave your characters in ignorant bliss forever. Mm. Thanks. Lots of love from your pal, Cal Kiskis. Thank you, Cal Kiskis. Thank you, Cal Kiskis. Um, I know one thing that you used to do in Spyro, which you may have brought along. Oh, yes. You brought that along. That's my only example. Right, okay. Well, the thing that I... I this sort of counts... Uh, but one thing I did in Spyro 1 is that in um, one of the first levels, it's called Dark Hollow, um, there is a staircase that leads up to the final, the the exit portal. And for some reason, either side of the staircase, there are some piles of sticks, um, just sort of tinder, hmm. um, one on each side. And you can breathe fire on them and they turn into a little campfire. And for some reason, that's the only time that happens in the game. There is no sort of quest or reward for it. They just, in this level, they put two piles of sticks that you can set on fire and they never use that elsewhere, hmm. which is strange. And I would, I will always light the fires before I go up, unless I'm doing a no flame challenge on live stream. Um, and we even used to call it, for some reason, me and my siblings, the staircase of glory. Wow. You have to light the staircase of glory. That's sick, Before man. you go up it. And that's not quite the same as this, but it is. it was a very kind of environmental moment where you're just absorbing, mm. oh, look, there's these nice fires. Light those before you go up. Um, but some better examples. Destiny Island is the first level of Kingdom Hearts. And uh, you're only there for about half an hour and then you get set off on your very, you know, sort of semi-dark adventure. But you are, you begin on this lovely tropical island uh, with very nice music and um, the guy from Final Fantasy VIII or something is there, the one who plays the football game. Oh, Final Fantasy X. X, is uh, it? Tidus? Yeah. Tidus? Tidus, Tidus. Waka Waka? Yeah. The guy with the, the, guy with the hair? Uh, you know, the fellow with the hair. Sure. Hair man. Yeah. Uh, he might be called Baka. Tidus, Tidus is there and then there's a few others... <laughs> I don't, I can't remember who. Yeah. Leon and Yuffie are later on. It's not them. But anyway, there's a bunch of Final Fantasy characters there mm. and you have a nice time. Uh, and it's lovely and it's all sunny and great. Um, and I used to sort of feel like, I kind of want to just stay here for a bit longer. Mm. It's where it's nice. Likewise, I used to play Guild Wars. It's the only MMO I've ever played um, properly. And Guild Wars has this event in it called The Searing. The Searing. Where the lovely, lush forested world that you start in uh once you do the searing which is part of the main quest it becomes this post-apocalyptic wasteland it's like a desert mm. and so essentially guild wars has two completely separate worlds and once you've gone one way you can't go back right so the searing happens uh, but a lot of people like me chose not to do the searing quest and so you would just just basically only get half of the game but mm. in a nice much nicer place Huh. Um, so the first time I played it, I did the searing and sort of regretted it because I was like, this place is horrible now. Yeah. Um, and then I started a new character and I was like, do you know what? I'm going to be one of those people who doesn't do the apocalypse quest. And I'm just going to do all of the little side missions here. And I'm just going to like hang out with people and go and hunt monsters. Even when I've done all the quests, I'm just going to go running around killing stuff um, because it was much nicer. Hmm. Yeah. That is nice. What's your one example, Ben? So I find it very difficult to role play in games 
anyway, certainly mm. to the extent that I would hang around in a certain spot or even not finish a game at all for the character's benefit. Yeah. Because I am I supreme agree. overlord sentient being. I am in control. Anything I do in the game is for my own selfish benefit. It's for me. It's not. I'm not thinking on behalf of the characters or anything like that. Yeah, I might want to keep my house tidy in uh, Skyrim. But that's not because my character's a neat freak. Mm. It's because I don't want to come back to a messy house and I want my house to look cool in the game. It's a very sort of... This is maybe why people are able to play or get into RPGs mm. much yeah. more than I can because I've, I feel like there's a real barrier between me and my character my character is just as it probably is for a lot of people just a vessel by which Literally i experience the game yeah. yeah whereas for some people you you inhabit that character and it's like what would that character do in that situation uh in mass effect 2 after every single mission i would run around and talk to everyone on my ship not because i'm a good captain sorry mm -hmm. commander but because i want to hear if there's any new dialogue it's a very sort of uh what's the term uh immersion breaking sort of thing when you apply too much thought to it like i yeah. could it could be commander shepherd has just been out on a dangerous sortie and he's come back and he's checking in with all his his crew to make sure they're okay but no it's because me ben is aware this is a video game and there might be new dialogue lines available for me to listen to it's just practical it, it's practical and it when you think about it too much it does kind of remove the immersion take you out of the experience mm. a little bit uh i suppose maybe the closest i do it uh, to it contemporary uh in a con in, here i go <laughs> the the contemporarily no, let's try that again. Currently, mm. if we're talking currently, yeah, the closest I've come to doing anything like that is maybe when I do the Barbara Piss streams. And I'm like, well, Barbara wants to punch everything. Right. So that's what she's going to do. She's going to have these big wrestling moves where you just do ridiculous damage. And in any game where she can have a big lump of wood to hit people with, that's what she's going to want to do. Mm -hmm. That's the closest I come, but that's still very much tongue in cheek. And I'm not really yeah. taking it that seriously. However, Spyro, when you alluded to, yeah. Sunrise Spring, the first hub world in uh, Spyro 3 Year of the Dragon. Uh, there's a little lazy river at the base of that. And sometimes after going out, you know, hunting for eggs and gems, I would bring Spyro home and let him have a little paddle around as a treat hmm. because he deserves that because it's so scary out there. It's nice there. I was nine. I don't do that anymore. No. Uh, but that's the only example that I have. The rest of the time, it's just me wanting to maximize efficiency and get the most out of the video games that I'm playing, which mm. is a very cynical way. It's hard, in because sometimes people ask us, when you cover games for a living, does it change how you play games? And it does. Mm. And just like when you work in game development, does it change how you experience games? Of course it does. You yeah. view them for, through a very different lens. You're always looking for... So when a game can come along and really sweep you up in its world, I think that that gets extra uh, flowers um, mm. for, for being able to do so. But now I find most, most games I, I view through a very different lens and I'm yeah. just, just trying to get out of it what I can, mm. and move on to the next game, which is kind of sad, really. But no more paddling around in the lazy spring for me. Oh, sad. Yeah, sad. It's sad. Well, should we go on to the big thing? Yeah. Where we discuss something. Yeah. It's called the big discussion. Oh. It's big discussion time. Time for the big video game discussion that this week comes courtesy of Cameron Keywood. Cameron said, what's kicking BP and chickens? You did mention a chicken earlier. Oh, my God, Cameron, what the hell? How did you know? 
Do you have any sentiments on using artificial intelligence to create components for games such as art, sound, etc. in game development? Would you be comfortable with smaller indie developers on a low budget who use it, or would you prefer to see bigger studios embrace it, or for everyone to shun it entirely? Mm. Thank you, Cameron. Uh, this is probably, I mean, there's a huge debate ongoing at the moment about the use of AI technology in all forms of media. Yeah. Um, Largely, I think companies are licking their lips and creatives are saying this is the end of the world. We've got an article here from Pushquare because Ubisoft, those bastions of wanting to use all the wrong technology at the wrong times, yep. uh, have stuck their nose in it now. And uh, this is the article. Ubisoft is a publisher unafraid of tackling new technology head-on. The company is always supportive of new platform launches and seems willing to embrace cutting-edge tech where possible, even the questionable stuff. It's already attempted to implement NFTs in its games with, with the Ubisoft Quartz initiative, which went about as well as you'd expect. Now the publisher has proudly announced it's using AI to help write its games. As explained in the video not above, it's in the link dump, uh, Ubisoft Ghostwriter, it even sounds ominous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it also sounds like a Tom Clancy game. Mm. Uh, is an AI-driven tool that allows writers to generate lines of dialogue based on prompts, which can then be edited or adjusted in various ways. The idea is that the dev teams can utilize this functionality to create barks, those throwaway NPC lines you hear while running around open worlds, so that writers can instead put more focus on the main story and characters. Naturally, it's already been heavily criticized. Some industry figures have argued that managing and editing AI-generated dialogue would be more time-consuming than just writing something themselves. It also naturally leads to concerns that this is just the beginning. What if, eventually, Ubisoft evolves this ghost writer program to replace some or all of its human writers? Mm. Yeah. What do you think? I've got a few things about this. Firstly... Like, spe to specify, uh, we're using it to write barks, did they call barks, it? Barks, yes. Uh, which is just like little throwaway lines of dialogue that happen when characters are running around. Surely they're some of the easiest things to write, aren't they? Yeah. Like, it's probably a bit more, it takes a bit more time and, you know, sitting up late with a cup of coffee to, to really write a compelling cutscene where the emotional, you know, climax where of the Grongus game Where is going to conquer <laughs> yeah, exactly. the wizard. Yeah. Uh, but to just like... I could, do you know what? Pay me. Pay me less than you're paying to fund Ghostwriter, and I will write, oh, health kit over here for you, or whatever it is that you, <laughs> come on, let's do this. You know, it's as easy as that, isn't uh -huh. it? Um, <laughs> so, uh, but no, Cynic, that's, I'm, I'm joking, because mm. uh, it's not as easy as that. This is a skilled job, maybe not the barks, but generally writing yep. uh, is a skilled job. And uh, it is a bit concerning as to where this is going. You know, at the moment, if Ubisoft is saying, oh, this is literally just to give, essentially generate some ideas for the writers that they can then edit. And, you know, it's just to help them along the way. That in and of itself is probably not too sinister. But you have to sort of wonder where it's going to lead. Mm. Um, I recently used a, a chat bot to write a silly uh, story for my movie stream. It was a tongue-in-cheek, silly thing to do. I wasn't taking anyone's job away from them by writing a, uh, you know, I wasn't going to otherwise pay someone to write it for me. So that was okay. But in the long run, it's it's a concern. And, you know, Cameron mentions not just actual writing, but generating other assets via AI, mm. uh, art and sound. Uh, again, there are people who are specialized in those jobs who maybe a bit concerned about uh, their future. But specifically when you're dealing with art, 
Um, AI art generation is a huge issue on the internet at the moment because um, it is generally done by just sourcing images it finds for free on the internet on, on Google images or whatever without worrying at all about the, the copyright status of their source images mm. uh, or without worrying about just intentionally imitating the style of a specific artist. Some people are literally using these art generation AI tools to specifically imitate the art of a specific person who they don't want to commission mm. uh, for a project or maybe those people don't do commissions. Um, and so they're like, well, but I want something that's drawn like that. I'm going to get a bot to do it. So that's kind of problematic. And uh, I suppose it's not video game specific, but um, yeah, I... It's, it's still an issue. Like, how do you how do you ethically teach the AI? Yeah, not to do how that. to well how to do stuff in the first place without well, avoiding well, yeah. all of the resources that are available on the internet. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Similar thing would go for writing. I think I think there has been some clarification. Citation very much needed here. I think there has been some clarification that the way that they are teaching their AI is internal. Like they're not drawing mm -hmm. from any sources, but like. How do you police that, really? Yeah. And people are always going to assume the worst because AI is, understandably, a bit of a, a boogeyman at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, and I can't remember if it was... I think it might have been someone on our team when we... Because we talked about this story in our office chat. Um, and I think someone said uh, it would be Ubisoft. The, mm. the people who already make games that are as cookie-cutter as they come <laughs> that have now got a robot to do it for them. Cut more corners. Yeah. Um, so yeah, soon you just have bots creating map markers and placing them down. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think there is, there is an element of like AI has been involved in certain aspects of game development for a little while now, but not in the way that you might think like Rockstar I, used it, didn't they? For the really bad GTA trilogy remaster. They, oh yeah. Well that, yeah, they're, exactly. There's that. But also when people are generating maps, sometimes they will use AI mm. to generate random maps and then they yeah. will populate it and, and they, they can run a program that will manually, not manually, that will automatically populate it with trees and so on and so forth. And then artists can go in afterwards and they've got a template to work from mm. to, to add, you know, mold this stuff the way they want it. This kind of thing though, that's cutting out the human element of the, of the artistic process is extremely controversial. If if I can just step away from the debate for a second, it's kind of incredible, isn't it? Oh yeah, that, I mean, that, it is that amazing. This is, that this is where we like. It's so amazing that this is this is the stage we're at that that this level of technology exists. What little messing around I did with ChatGPT for my streams, mm. I was blown away by what it could do. Yeah. Um, just completely coherently, like it would it would never make a an actual kind of grammatical mistake. It, it understood what I was asking it to do, mm. and it would produce just really good text that was like it had been written by a human. It's yeah. also worrying because it's like, where, what does that mean for the humans? But it is amazing. I did see someone, uh, somebody tweeted the other day that said, we've got we've got bots writing poetry and creating art while I have to go to the office every day yeah. until I die. <laughs> yeah. Can't we do it the other way Can around? Can we please not do it the other way around? We're all artists, really. Mm. Everybody. Everybody should be allowed to just be an artist for a living and yeah. let's just get all the boring stuff sorted by robots. Mm. Like, please. Anyway, that's a philosophical debate for another time. Um, 
if I may now rejoin the debate, but mm. put my devil's advocate hat on, yeah. I would understand in certain circumstances why the tedious busy work might, why, why there would be an interest in stripping that away yeah. from, you know, busying up someone someone's uh, time when they could be working on other stuff. But as you said, it is actually uh, a very specialized job to do. I know that there are people who are employed by game developers who write flavor text. Mm. That's what they do. The books in Skyrim, the item descriptions in various things, the runes in God of War, all of them like are very specialized jobs by very talented writers that they all need to make sure they're on the same page to not only give the world context, but to have it be, uh, to have the continuity be maintained yeah. through all of it. So there's no slip ups anywhere. Um, this is all the kind of stuff that I would imagine Ubisoft pointing their bot at. I could see how easily that could go wrong, mm. which would mean that there would need to be human oversight, which as the article says, why wouldn't you then just have a human write it, which then, okay, well, then we need it to be a bit more comprehensive. What if we feed it a few more lines? But then where are you ethically ethically sourcing the lines from and so on and so forth? I can... I, I strongly believe that this is this is something everybody has to be wary of because yeah. this this is quite literally just the beginning. Mm -hmm. There will be a game almost entirely made by AI at some point. As Cameron says, I it, it gets a little bit less ethically dubious when you're dealing with indie developers yeah, and yeah. much smaller studios who, you know, one or two person teams. And as we've seen, one or two person teams can create some incredible stuff. With the help of AI, I don't think that would impact my desire to play a game necessarily, mm. especially from a smaller team where it's perhaps more understandable. When you've got big mega publishers who already screw around their staff on a daily yeah. basis anyway, that the 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 potential of job loss to some to a job that, that would probably be done better by a human being is that's a that's a tough one to take. Yeah, I, it's a good point about the indie stuff, actually. I, yeah, I meant to say that, um, you know, you look at something like Stardew Valley and it's like that was made by a single person who mm. did the art and the audio and the coding and everything. Um, and you think about some of the projects that maybe just haven't quite come to fruition because there's one area that perhaps that one person is lacking in and maybe they don't have the money to commission someone to do music for them or to, or to do some of the artwork for them. And if they're able to, if you put aside the the problems around the artwork thing specifically or, or wherever it's sourcing its stuff from and copyright issues, if that is somehow able to be solved and you can just get AI that would be like, hey, I can generate a bit of extra stuff. It's not going to be ripping off anyone else. Mm here's some art or here's just a bit of background music for your game that you were struggling to do and you can't afford to commission someone to do it for you, then it's going to facilitate some interesting projects. But uh, yeah, Ubisoft doing it, bigger studios doing it, it that's yeah. a different thing entirely. And again, it's it's more about where it's leading in the future. Mm. Now, admittedly, I don't know how to program AI or bots and mm. it, I'm completely out of my wheelhouse here. But I do worry, especially as you go lower down the the, the chain to smaller developers, indie developers, you know, one one person teams, whatever. Um, the policing is is going to have to be on point because yeah. we already have issues where this happened recently. I think it might have been shared uh, in our weird news post maybe last week potentially, uh, or certainly I've seen it floating around the internet in the past week or so, that there's a, a developer of a Souls-like at the moment um, that appears to have 
animate like weapon animation assets ripped directly from Elden Ring. And right. uh, the person who blew the whistle was like a modder on Twitter who who created a tool where you could view these animations like outside of the mm. game. And clearly someone had used that tool to then sell those assets to this indie developer who were completely unaware because they bought it through like some sort of epic uh, or Unreal Engine store or something right. as like an asset that was available for purchase. Mm-hmm. So in their, you know, in they're buying in all good consciousness thinking that it's 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 true and just. Yeah. And they're actually being sold something that belongs to someone else. When it comes to AI, are, there, are people going to be making their own bots? Are people going yeah. to, and, and what are they going to be feeding those bots to teach them how to, you know, generate portions of these games? Uh, are, are there going to have to be, is everyone going to have to use some kind of Unreal Engine appro- or Unity Engine approved bot? At yeah. which point, what are they feeding that? And will that create really that much originality if everyone's using the same bot to generate different stuff mm-hmm. and it's pulling from a you know a, a probably much smaller pool of approved stuff that is ethically okay and copyright okay and isn't stealing from other people i just think this is such a can of worms yeah it is that yeah. even ethics aside the legality of it all is going to be so hard to police and track and i think it's just going to be so complicated and then the one other uh huge issue that's already plaguing the the ai sphere is of course deep fake stuff you know really problematic fake material either mm. because it's you know you're, you're like creating something of like a political leader saying something inappropriate or you know that that's worrying in a, in one area and then of course there's the other kind of deep fakes i'm sure we all know what i'm getting at there mm. um and and you have to worry that how that might factor into the the gaming sphere as well i mean at the moment it's just more of a, a video creation issue um, or images. Um, but will people soon be able to very easily just plaster a real human's face onto an in-game character? And yeah. then that person is in there to be, well, you know, to, to feature in a game where... In whatever context. What is, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, then, you know, that's that's a whole other problem. It's not exactly the story we're dealing with here, but just generally, yeah. AI is uh, it's an amazing bit of technology, um, but also could could lead to some terrible things as well. It's like the internet. It's kind of a, mm. a, a new technology revolution in that sense. Yeah. Um, so, don't know. Don't know. <sighs> yeah. Going very quickly back to this specific example of Ubisoft, uh, you know, creating barks. There are lots of games where I don't really see that being able to work properly. For example, The Witcher 3 had some fantastic NPC dialogue and just random things that you would overhear. But they were all like very... The the, the context was everything to those in terms of the world it was in. You know, they were name dropping the location and Mm. specific characters and stuff like that. And unless you're doing an Ubisoft, like a watchdog's world where they're like, I want to go get a coffee or something. You know, it's like, what are you really going to generate of substance with that? Yeah, I mean, I sometimes don't... though, like these things can be very good at picking up on specific contexts, though, as mm. well. Like when I was, uh, I was messing around with the idea of um, uh, doing some stuff in Skyrim, like create, generating character builds and and things like that. And all I would do would be like make a silly Skyrim character build, and it would like name drop stuff that it clearly got from the Skyrim wiki or whatever. Right, It'd be okay. like you were at. You were from the Bard's College, trained under, and then it would like name the specific character and hmm. stuff. So 
yeah, like the it it's able to, or certainly ChatGPT is is pretty good at picking out bits of specific context. And hey, well, fair enough. Yeah. A terrifying glimpse into the future of mm. game development. Let us know what you think in the comments below. And there's lots of other places on the internet where you can find us as well. You can find us at youtube.com and twitch.tv forward slash team triple jump. That's where of our where where we do our videos and live streams. We stream on both. Um and when we're streaming on both, we are modded by Lord Brotovich, Trowling Badger, and Mr. Black. If you've got Amazon Prime and you're already paying for it and all that it comes with, which you are, uh, in the sense that there aren't different tiers. If you're paying for it, you've got everything it comes with. Yes. It has a Twitch sub. You can spend that on us at no extra cost, um, but you get all the benefits. Twitter.com and Facebook.com forward slash Team Triple Jump for video and live stream announcements, um, bits of weird news, uh, other stuff, highlights of the week from yeah. Twitch, uh, all put there by Fraser. Thank you, Fraser. Um, TikTok.com forward slash at Team Triple Jump for our tiktok presence ashton is looking after that and patreon.com forward slash team triple jump you can go there and look at all the different tiers which will give you loads of different rewards um so you should have a look at them and decide if you want one mm. um i'll carry on with this i suppose we've got a website it's triple jur.mup that's triple ju.mp spells jump it's very clever it is uh, if you want to go to our discord Quickly and easily, you can just go to triplej.mup forward slash discord where we're modded by Jack, Joe, Tori, and Hollow Eyes. So if they tell you to do something, bloody well do it, do says it. Ashton Matthews. Do it. If you want to listen to the podcast in its audio form, if you're watching on YouTube right now, you can go to triplej.mup forward slash podcast. If you want to have a look at our VODs, you can go to triplej.mup forward slash VODs, which will take you straight to our VODs channel on YouTube. We've got Cameo as well, triplej.mup forward slash Cameo, where you can get special messages from me, Ben, Ashton, and James Jenkins. Um, and finally, triplejumpshop.com to go to our shop. And you can follow at triplejumpshop on Twitter for all the latest news and announcements about our merch. We talked recently about some merch ideas, so who knows when they will be coming mm. soon, maybe. Absolutely, and you can get these merch, yes. these merches that we're wearing right now. I think all of these actually are available. Yeah. Mm. Sports Time shirts back in stock, loads of good logo merch in there too, so go get yourself a merch. Yeah, just one though. No, all of them. Uh, why not follow Peter and Ashton on Instagram and Twitter at that Peter Austin and at Scrambled Ashton and myself just on Twitter at Confused underscore Dude. We do lists every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Streams every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Thursday being the joint stream Blazing. on YouTube. The other days being solo streams on Twitch. Worst games ever is fortnightly Friday for patrons of a certain tier. Sunday for everyone else. The podcast is every Saturday. We do shows all the flipping time. Why not leave a five-star review on your platform of choice for this podcast? It would really help with Al Gore's rhythms, and we would appreciate it very much. And it doesn't cost you any money whatsoever. There is a massive video coming out tomorrow, Peter. It's huge, as Donald Trump would say. 101 most unforgettable moments in video games. Yes. Um, Kieran's done a very good job of putting it all together. Yeah, uh, written by Kat, who, yeah. who's worked very hard on it. Mm -hmm. uh, these big old lists always perform really well for us, and we hope you enjoy this one uh, just as much. This is in-game unforgettable moments. It was originally, as it says in the video itself, mm. going to include stuff that happened in the industry, like the 299. Yeah, 299. Um, a bit from e the first E3. Uh, but actually, there were just so many unforgettable moments in games that we decided to just make it the games themselves. We'll Just do industry to, stuff another time. Yeah, you know, PR disasters and so on. Yeah. Uh, regardless, though, it's huge. It's like two and a half hours long. Stick it on. 
either on your second monitor or on your TV or on your second monitor and your TV and your phone, your smart fridge, all of it. Just turn the ad blocker off and help no, us out. No, don't do that. Oh, turn ad blocker off. Turn yeah, ad blocker sorry. off. Yeah, I, I heard ad blocker <laughs> no. and the word off and thought you were turning ads off. Turn ad blocker womp and yeah. then give it a watch. Uh, and one final time before we get to the sponsor, WWE 2K23, mm. we need some characters creating. That's Ben, Peter, a male version of Ashton, Billy Ray Walrus, Rules Boss, Is This Legs, Fraser, Dick Maichinko and Brian Bumpus. They all need to be editable and please include the tags TJ, Triple Jump and Cultaholic or any one of those, mm. preferably the TJ and Triple Jump ones so we can search for them and find them easily. Yeah. Uh, I think you may, I don't think you need to do it, but there's also an option to enable cross-platform content, but I imagine that's just if you're looking to download rather than upload. I think your stuff just goes to everyone anyway, but please do it. And if we pick yours for the stuff we're doing in a couple of weeks time, then uh, we will credit you in the video. Mm. So yeah, thank you. So flipping much. A video description, to be clear. I think it's going to be a highly polished package, and we may not be able to stop and shout everybody out, but you'll be in the video description yes, as, a, yeah. as a thank you. So, Peter, what's the sponsor this week? There's just enough time to say, please, everyone, go out and vote. If you live in the nation of Bulgaria, there is a chance for that record-breaking fourth term. President Weevil 4 could happen. I believe. Ye yes. No, we can't. No, we can't. Uh, thank you so much for watching slash listening, everybody. We will see you next week. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.